Good evening, listeners, brave navigators of the enigmatic and the concealed. Have you ever felt the pull of the unanswered, the allure of the mysteries that shroud our existence? For more than a decade, a unique comic publisher has dared to dive into these mysteries, unafraid of the secrets they might uncover. This audacious entity is Paranoid American. Welcome to the mystifying universe of the Paranoid American podcast. Launched in the year 2012, Paranoid American has been on a mission to decipher the encrypted secrets of our world. From the unnerving enigma of MK Ultra mind control to the clandestine assemblies of secret societies. From the awe-inspiring frontiers of forbidden technology to the arcane patterns of occult symbols in our very own pop culture. They have committed to unveiling the concealed realities that lie just beneath the surface. Join us as we navigate these intricate landscapes, decoding the hidden scripts of our society and challenging the accepted perceptions of reality. Folks, I've got a big problem on my hands. There's a company called Paranoid American making all these funny memes and comics. Now, I'm a fair guy. I believe in free speech uh, as long as it doesn't cross the line. And if these AI-generated memes dare to make fun of me, they're crossing the line. This is your expedition into the realm of the extraordinary, the secret, the shrouded. Come with us as we sift through the world's grand mysteries, question the standardized narratives, and brave the cryptic labyrinth of the concealed truth. So strap yourselves in, broaden your horizons, and steel yourselves for a voyage into the enigmatic heart of the paranoid American podcast. Where each story, every image, every revelation brings us one step closer to the elusive truth. Who's up peeking in the window? Pow! It's Joel ah, Thomas. What's up, man? Y'all? Hey, uh, so the, the man probably doesn't need too much of an introduction, but I'm going to do it anyway. This is Joel Thomas, uh, the man, the myth, the legend. He's working on a million different projects. If you haven't already checked out some of the stuff that we've collaborated on, links below in the description. Go give him a follow. Go give him a like. Just smash every button on the screen right now i don't care what button it is if you're floating over just smash it so uh joel thomas man please uh first of all tell people where they can find you and we're going to get into way more after that yeah so i'm one half of a podcast with my buddy sean chris at kill the mockingbirds podcast so you can go to kill the you can pretty much find us everywhere there so you can find all the music um all of the uh, merchandise we have uh, access to any of the socials that we have there too. If you're looking for us on Instagram, which is probably our biggest hub, you can find us there at Kill the Mockingbirds podcast. Uh, you can find me at Van Tesla Music. So I do music, so does Sean, and we do a lot of it. So we put it out. Uh, it's not just in conjunction with the podcast. I was a musician long before I was a podcaster. So the podcasting thing was just like it happened. It wasn't really uh, a planned thing at all. I just ended up connecting with some people uh, who were pretty big in the game and it just naturally happened. You know, I, on the off chance, had met Tony Merkel from the Confessionals podcast and he's got a huge podcast. And it was really just through a producer of mine. Producer of mine listened to his podcast, sent him over my first Fantasla album. Tony will tell it better than me, but he was 
taking a shit and he was like ah who's this sending me some stuff he's like you know he's like i get musical eyes like we all do and He's like, you know, I, I just figured it was going to be trash. And <laughs> that's what he said. And he said he listened to it. And he was like, I got to get down in the studio and listen to the rest of this. And then he contacted me. And he was like, man, this is really good stuff. He's like, I haven't. And this is, man, we're talking right during. Is like, this the album? Is the album someone could look up right now and find? Yes, they can. You can find it Spotify, Tidal, Apple Music, anywhere, any streaming service possible. It's called Van Tesla. It's the very first project that started this wave of what I'm doing now. And uh, the guy I was working with at the time, Quan Duke, uh, we started Van Tesla together, which Van Tesla has now morphed into more of a brand now than anything, more of a label that I'm looking to build as I go. But uh, we started this really just because of what was going on in 2020. You know, it was a lot of craziness going on and we were, everybody was questioning things. And I think that's where it spawned from. And, you know, Tony's very like-minded. And so he reached out to me and said, hey, do you care if I start using some of your music? And then he invited me to come to Philly and come in studio and talk about some of my past and, you know, what my goals were originally with music and in conjunction with being a Freemason and some of those type of things. Wait, 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 what? <laughs> what? Yeah, so, so you have two Freemasons that? on the show today, guys. Don't you got to <laughs> disclose that, man? Yeah, I, uh, I, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I do dance around some things. Um, you know, I don't go into everything, but I've stepped away from the uh, lodge and all that a long time ago. And, you know, I came on the show to just talk to him about, you know, where my mind frame was when I was going through a lot of that in music and where I wanted to be ultimately. And then I just, you know, over the years, things happened, I changed. And then 2020 was a big pivotal point for me. Not that I hadn't always, been a critical thinker and I was a huge conspiracy guy forever but it was just 20 I think 2020 was that pivotal moment where I was like you go make that decision and then not succumb so I, I think that's for me it was through music and you know I met Tony and he and I got really really good friends and on the off chance he hits me up he was starting these uh, documentary projects and he said hey how do you feel about Bigfoot and Dogman and all the stuff I was like Brother, I grew up in the North Georgia mountains like as a kid. So this is nothing new to me. I mean, I, it was nothing for me to walk out the front door and see a bear like walking across the front yard. And, you know, I grew up around that stuff. So I was like, man, I'm, you know, I'm down. And he said, well, I mean, do you have any uh, artillery? And I was like, listen, man, I'm not talking about deep state as much as I am without something. So <laughs> I was like, yeah, I've got plenty of that. So we did our first documentary, uh, Operation Dogman or Expedition Dogman, sorry. And it's on uh, Amazon Prime, Apple TV right now, all the big ones. It's done really well. It kind of catapulted Merkle Media into what it's become now with having an actual uh, media guy that runs the company now. And tons of projects are spawning out of it, which we just finished the uh, Skinwalker film, which it's about to hit Apple TV. And Amazon Prime and all that. And it, it was really awesome, man. We were out there at Skinwalker Ranch, like right next to it. We're in the ranch right beside it. So crazy stuff. Just, I mean, dude, there was a moment where I looked up in the sky for an hour and a half. We saw 25 UFOs going crazy in the sky. Um, that whole trip was like that. Every trip we've been on, though, something crazy's happened. happened. Uh, we went out to Washington with Wes Germer from Sasquatch Chronicles hunting down Bigfoot. And we had some wild things happen there, too, which I can't really talk about on air. But I'll tell you off air, but, uh, yeah, some wild stuff happened there and yeah, everything just kind of snowballed. I met Sean through music 
And he, I happened to come on his podcast a couple times just to talk music and just some of the weird stuff going on in the world. And, and he and I got really cool and just, he was like, look, man, I've been looking for a, a steady, you know, co-host, which he couldn't find. And like, you want to go steady with me or what? Let's do going this. Steady. Yeah. Old school, <laughs> like the note, like the little check boxes. <laughs> yeah. You, you click the, the yes. Yeah. yeah put a little heart on it. <laughs> and, uh, it was just it was just good, man. We we work really well together. We bounce off each other really well. Uh, he's really good with geopolitical stuff. I'm a little more of the occult and biblical realm, but I do get really yeah. Go figure, you Freemason. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, and I but I do get into the geopolitical stuff. That's how he and I got really cool. So I I think his and I viewpoint is very different than a lot of people in this realm. You you think a lot like us. But a lot of people in this realm are very boxed in into echo chambers. They don't look at how everything could t- kind of tie in together, how like cryptids could be tying into this geopolitical thing over here and all these different threads. It's it's all connected. Um, we just a lot of times don't choose to see it. Or, again, you get people in echo chambers that just want to think one thing. And if you start thinking outside of that, then you're the psyop. You're the guy that's trying to get everyone away from the actual truth just because you're questioning things, which I, I find funny. Uh, I think the truth community is one of the most toxic communities, I think, on the planet. I used to think it was the woke left. And I, I don't think so anymore. <laughs> Not as long as I've been in the truth or community. I think they're just as bad. I, I well, think dude, truth is such an absolute. So when right. if someone is really convinced that they have the truth, like like there's and there's no room for any subjective opinion. No, I've got the objective truth right now. It's really hard to get through to that. And it also comes from a sort of point of view where you've already given up control, right? Like, right. And I guess it's one of those things like a classic debate. If, uh, if you're not going in for like a traditional competitive debate, but if you actually want to debate just a normal person, the first thing you want to establish is, are you willing to change your mind on the topic we're about to talk about? Cause if the answer is no, there's really no reason to even have the conversation unless you got an audience that can be swayed as well. But chances are no. So, I mean, it's it's Absolutely. an interesting it's an interesting thing, man. No, I completely agree with you, Thomas. Uh, you know, I uh, I'm all over the place with stuff I read. Like I, I really am. I I read a spectrum of different ideas, different things. Uh, you know, I tell uh, I was talking to Juan the other day on the phone, and and I'm like, look, man, you know, I read a lot of things that I don't necessarily agree with, like on purpose. Like I I ne- I go into these ideas it's going to do one or two things. It's going to change my mind and where I'm seeing this, like, Oh man, maybe there's some truth to this, or it's just going to solidify what I already think is true. Cause I'm actually doing the research and looking into it. I think that's, what's tough for people is to actually push yourself into other spectrums of reading or, or research to try to push your mind, to try to push yourself out of the just normal scope of comfortability. I think people like to be comfortable. And it's normal. That's a normal human trait. And I think it's it's work that you have to do to evolve your mind and evolve yourself. Uh, and you can hold true to some core beliefs. There's nothing wrong with that. But it doesn't mean that those can't even change over time as you see more and you're opening yourself up to more and and you know, just the deeper research that you go. So I, I think that's important. And, and I try to surround myself with people like that, at least on the daily regular, right? Like I, I'm very open to talking to anybody, but if I'm going to, you know, involve you in some form or fashion in my life, 
I, you can't be in an echo chamber for me. It's going to be tough having a conversation with you where I'm willing to question a broad stroke, uh, you know, scope of things, but you're just going to be here, like in this little little thing. And it's it's tough, especially with politics, man. People get really tribalistic over politics, and, and to me, you know, politics is just a big game. And it's to me, it's easy to see, but I think I've always felt that way. So I think it's not difficult for me to see how people are being manipulated by their emotions. And generally speaking, when you're looking at people in power, they do manipulate you by your emotions. Like it's, if you get angry or if you get sad or if you're depressed, they find a way to feed on those emotions and manipulate you. And sometimes you don't even realize that you're being manipulated. It can happen to any of us. Like it's, I'm not, you know, saying that just because I'm open-minded and I read a lot doesn't mean that I can't be subject to the same things that everybody else can. I just hope that I'm introspective enough so when it does happen, maybe in a day or two, I'm realizing, like, wait a minute, like, I'm probably being manipulated here. I need to snap out of this. If it takes a day, though, it might be too late, man. It's like, a riot only takes about nine it's true. minutes. It's true. It's true. It's true. Very true, man. Yeah, I, I just look at the humanity, like the human aspect of us, man. We can all, like, fail and fall. So, so I got a question right off the, yeah. on that on that topic. Do you think that it's it's people manipulating crowds because they're appealing to emotion? Or do you think that there's a chance that a crowd hat like you have to communicate to a crowd through emotion and through superficial means? Like can a crowd even process logic the same way that a human can? I mean, it's a good question because you could look at it in the aspect of the agent provocateurs, right? You send them into a crowd maybe five maybe they start throwing rocks and then almost just hedonistically they're just picking up rocks and throwing them too they're not thinking so i i think that yeah it's it's almost like a a network at that point you're almost like a hive mind at that point so i don't know if you necessarily are and i don't know what kind of entities are also involved when you're getting in those oh man so if, if you're going to talk about entities let's talk about nephilim portal babies right now <laughs> so uh, can you break down what a nephilim portal baby is yeah, so I'll set the, the the backdrop for how this even came to be, and then we'll get into you know. Did you create theory. Nephilim portal babies? Yeah, so the term Damn, is coined dude. by me. Yeah, Damn, that's crazy. So yeah, so uh, it all started with a. I was I was doing a lot of research on you know just everything, man. The Brotherhood of the Snake, Sumerian lore, and I was tying in Nephilim into a lot of these old cultures and. I had been talking to it with Tony here and there. I was like, yeah, I'm going some deep dives. I've got this new concept. And what I think that's going on here, because, you know, if people talk about before the deluge, what happened to the Nephilim, because they, they come back and inevitably come back. You see them popping back up in the Bible and other extracurricular texts. They're back. So, you know, there's, there's several different ways you can look at it. One people, some people, some camps think that it was an incursion done by fallen angels after the deluge, similar to what happened before. So on Mount Hermon, the first time 200 angels had sex with human females and created these Nephilim, and it went insane to the point that the world needed to be reset. So coming out of the flood, you've got Noah and his family. Well, then the Nephilim reappear again. So there's one camp of people that think that these, these fallen entities, the ones that were left, because the original ones were thrown into the pit, uh, but and Uriel guarded them in the pit. That's according to uh, the Book of Enoch. But if you go to 
if you go to after the deluge, uh, the theory is that other the fallen that weren't thrown in the pit had sex with more females and created these Nephilim. Possibility. I'm not saying it's not. It's, it, it could be. Like, again, I'm never sold on anything. I like theories. I like ideas. I like to have multiple concepts because none of us know. As soon as people start saying they know for a fact something, then you've already lost. I, I just can't, especially with stuff like this, you can't say you know. Like, you didn't see it. You, there's no, outside of like scripture and, and text and all that, and even some of that stuff could be manipulated. We don't know. So at the end of the day, that's one camp. Then you got another camp who thinks that some of Noah's family carried the gene, the genome of these Nephilim. Like a giant gene, right? Like a giant gene that resurfaced after, you know, they started, you know, reproducing again. That's that's the that's one of the other camps of thought now. There's another camp, which I fall into a little more than the other ones, that there are portaling systems that could get these Nephilim off world, either inside the earth, which I do think that's a major possibility, or interdimensionally, which I really lend to the fact because I believe that the Nephilim were some of the first alchemists. If you look at uh, Kane's line, Cain and his son Enoch, let's not get confused because there's like an evil Enoch and then there's an Enoch that walked with God. So there's two lines. There's the Seth line and then there's the Cain line um, from Adam. So that's kind of how those two lines work. Now, Cain and his son Enoch with these fallen ones created this brotherhood of the snake, which is said to be the first, um, the first secret society, which a lot of the tenets of Freemasonry came from. As a matter of fact, if you look at some of the old Freemason text, the Anderson text and the Oliver text, they actually talk about how that it wasn't the Adams line, which the Freemasons talk about now, was actually Cain's line that they that they come from, that everything comes down that line, that the sons of Lamech were actually the pillars, not the pillars that they tell you they are now. So that's just me digging and going through this. Uh, some really good books I've read and I actually went and read the Oliver and Anderson legends too, as well. You can get them, you can find them online, like PDF files of them. You can go read them. Uh, they're fairly, they're very interesting. They're old texts. Um, but this brotherhood of the snake came from that and from Cain's line come these Nephilim. It was like the, the seventh generation is when these fallen ones had sex with these females and they created, uh, these Nephilim, which, started diluting all of the bloodlines. The, the, this was the goal of the fallen ones and Lucifer to some extent. They wanted to corrupt the bloodline of Adam, which was the holy bloodline that Yeshua or Jesus was going to come from. So if they could stop that, that pure bloodline from happening, like the actual, like a human bloodline from happening, then they win, right? So that's the whole point. That's why when in the Bible it says that Noah was perfect in God's sight, it wasn't perfect, like holy, his genes were perfect. Like that was the whole point. So, but even to say that, what's even funnier, if you want to talk about like forgiveness and stuff like that, like even in the book of giants, which is the Dead Sea Scrolls, uh, the uh, the giants were having dreams about 
uh, death of a deluge. So they're freaking out. So they try to go to like their fallen angel fathers and they're not having, they won't listen to them. And uh, Gilgamesh is actually one of these giants that's having these dreams. They end up getting going to Enoch and Enoch actually comes and tells them that if they turn from their evil ways, then they can be okay. So even forgiveness was offered to the giants. That's a piece that a lot of people roll over because they don't know about the, uh, the book of giants. Um, even though it's a fragmented text that was found um, in the Dead Sea Scrolls. It's very interesting. I, I've read through it too. A lot of people attribute it to the book of Enoch. And sometimes you'll actually find the book of giants in the book of Enoch if you buy it or you read it online or whatever else. So yeah, these, these giants, these Nephilim are diluting this bloodline. So the luge comes, they wipe away the ones that you think, but they reappear again. Now, after the delusion of the Bible, they go by a ton of different names. You've got the Raphaim, the Amorites. You've got so many different names. And they even talk about the Amorites were uh, as tall and as thick as the cedars. So you get a lot of these different names for giants, but they're more of a diluted bloodline. So in my opinion, because these giants weren't as big as these like first Nephilim. These, you know, you hear about these first Nephilim, how tall they could have been in the 30 to 40 foot range. And they're like two to one as far as, you know, height to width. Human beings are more like three to one as far as height to width. So if you're how big were at, the, the watchers or the angels? Is, is that record? So they're anymore? shapeshifters. So they could have been anything. You know what I mean? Mm. I think that that's where you're getting a lot of these gods throughout history are a lot of these fallen ones are projecting into whatever God that you want to worship. So they project themselves into these gods and they become these gods. So you've got fallen angels that can shapeshift. By the way, they weren't just shapeshifting into men. They could shapeshift into women too. It's, it's yeah, that's a piece that's always lost. It's also could they shapeshift into non-binary, you think? I think so. I think they could do whatever they wanted for sure. So yeah, who knows, man? I mean, that I don't know. Like there's no text that prove that, but uh, <laughs> in this day and age, I mean, why, why not? Right. Why not? Blue hair too. Like it makes sense. Do you sense. think that's, it, it possibly is still happening or you think that was like a different magical time when like different types of magic was possible? Or do you think that it's like all still possible right now? Like angel come down here and bang your chick. So I think, and this is going to lead into what I think the Nephilim portal babies are. So this, uh, that, concept I don't think happens the way it used to because I think that the first grouping uh, were tossed into the pit. So they're locked in this pit until, you know, the book of Revelation said they're released. So they're locked in this pit. So these other fallen angels don't want to commit this same act because then they can't do what they want to do on earth. So you they, there's they some thirsty angels up there that are just like, damn, bro, it didn't, it didn't work out good for homies last time. Exactly. So they're not feeling it. So they're going to try to find a loophole. So in my opinion, so Roswell happened in 1947. So when Roswell happened and you had this incident with the Greys and everybody's read Bill Cooper's work and a lot of other people have talked about what's happened uh, at Roswell. So, you know, you had several beings, greys that were bodies when they pulled up on them. Several were dead. One, two were alive. One was kind of half alive. This one ended up dying after a few days. Well, they had one locked away for like a year. This, this, and they kept interrogating this gray. And finally, after a year, this gray just decides like, oh, I'm going to start talking English now and being like, look, like I'm kind of tired of being here. Let me talk to who I need to talk to. Oh, he started snitching. Deal. Started snitching. Started snitching. 
and I think it was more not so much snitching, but so much of a, uh, a it was a it was a de deception. I think it was a deception by these fallen ones. I think that here's what I think about governments. I don't think governments are that damn smart. I think that there's a lot of hidden layers to governments, but when it comes to like well, who we would consider the elites, like the the in the know, the adepts, you know what I mean, like these high level alchemists. There's not a lot of them. Like they're they're very hidden. They manipulate everybody else. So I think that those guys probably knew what these greys were, probably knew what these fallen ones were, but to the governments, they would consider them extraterrestrial, which they're not wrong. I think if you were to see an angel right now, that's considered extraterrestrial. It's not of this earth. So I think people get some of these words confused too, like alien. Well, that would be the same thing as a angel if you saw one because it's not of this earth. It's alien of this earth. So, I, you know, it's like a UFO. It's an unidentified flying object. That could be an object that is known to us, but we saw it in the sky and we didn't know what it was. It's a UFO. People attribute it to spaceships. People attribute it to fantastical things. It's not always that. And to some degree, some of these UFOs could actually be things that governments create too. So back to Roswell, it's alien. Hook, they, they, they end up on some uh, Caribbean island and they all meet there. So they got a high level uh, guy, uh, a high level cardinal in the Catholic Church. Obviously, it's, you can't do anything without those guys there. You got the Catholics there. We got the library, like, right? They're like, oh, yeah, let me go and dig out. That's the last time this happened. No one else yeah, has got the key. For sure. For sure. So they got him. They got several other uh, high level people in different governments. And these aliens broker a deal. Is this Majestic 12 or is this Majestic 12? So it's okay. part of the Majestic 12 lore. And they broker this deal to where they're going to take so many humans and do testing and bring them back, but they're going to let us know. And they give us things, you know, like technology, which we did have a huge technology spike from the 1945 and on. Like it's yeah. insane. Transistor, but, MOSFET, a few things. Absolutely. But you could even attribute that to around the same time you had World War II going on. You had the Vril Society and the Vril and all that technology that the Nazis had on that end, too. So all this was happening coordinated all over the earth with different sects of these aliens or, you know, like the Vril. They're from underneath the earth, but said to have angelic features, which I thought that was pretty funny when I was digging into some of them. Uh, and this real power. That's what, you know, so they're called you think the, the Vril. Are, are like the fallen angel watchers? Yeah, I think so. Or maybe some version of Nephilim. I mean, they are underground and they're tall. They they're, they they generally look like tall whites or the tall white versions, um, kind of like uh, Admiral Byrd when he went, uh, in, or according to the story, he, he went inside the earth and met with these tall whites and they had swastikas on their, uh, on their ships. So that was part of the whole drill. And they said that, you know, man was going to destroy, you know, each other with nuclear technology. They've been trying to get through to us, but they also had the same uh, exact features and very similar in look to this Vril society. So I think that they're kind of all connected. If we're looking at fallen ones and how they could shapeshift, like why wouldn't they shapeshift into different things to trick us? But I don't necessarily think that greys are exactly that. Now, I do think fallen angels can from time to time shapeshift into grace like why wouldn't they they'll shapeshift into whatever is like you know convenient at the time this is whatever. like zeus right i'm gonna go bang a swan today absolutely and i think i think 
and I'll, I'll go deep with like a lot of these, uh, like Greek mythology and Sumerian and all that. I think a lot of these gods existed, uh, whether in the form of an actual God or they were fallen ones. I think they did. I mean, cause we could even talk about the, uh, the uh, council of the gods, which is even talked about in the Bible. So if we're even just talking about a biblical uh, perspective, um, that's true from that perspective. Well, so I, uh, I got a biblical question for you. Sure. It's, it's a niche one. So have you yeah. ever heard about um, the curse of Ham? I think it was. Or like how Ham walked in on Noah, right? Yes. What, what's going on there, bro? What's your opinion? So like what, what actually thought, happened? Okay. So the thought is that it's bang it's, Noah. Again, he bangs the. He walks That's in on Noah drunk. Some people said and he while he was him. drunk that he did molest Noah. Is what some people say. Like not in a fun he, way either. Like a, like no. a rough, like a rough. And that way. he was ostracized because of it. And some people think, but from him, this is where these Nephilim started reappearing again. That's where some people get this incursion part from, where this is a second incursion that it happened when Ham was kicked out. I don't know. Uh, I don't know because even in the Hebrew, it's not clear exactly what kind of, you know, debauchery that went on with Noah. It could have been just as easily as him walking in, seeing him naked and making fun of him. I've heard uh, it be as light. I've heard I don't it be know, as, man. as light like, as that. Yo, to all your whole family is going to die. Right? He was like, yo, how come right. your dick's so tiny, Noah? And then it was just downhill from there, right? And it, it, it could be. But then again, like, I probably lend more to he probably did something to Noah. That's what I personally think that it seems like a pretty big deal that Ham was, like, kicked out. And I mean, this is after the flood. There's not a lot of them. <laughs> He's like, you're done. Out of here. So I, I don't know. I Yeah, that's my thoughts on it. And there's so many different theories of what could have actually happened. In That's actually that. one of the most controversial one is that he, that he bangs Noah. The Another yeah. one that I heard that I kind of like to entertain and I haven't heard much on it is that he saw Noah performing magic or that he saw like Noah tapping into some next, you know, next level realm or something. And that wasn't something that he was allowed to see. Because the the quote is really hard. I mean, I don't have the the ancient Hebrew in front of me or the Greek mm -hmm. wherever it was translated from. But it was like he walks into a tent and sees Noah naked. Um, but the naked might be like performing some kind of right. very base level magic. I don't know, man. It's it's an interesting one for me. But apparently, it, it really pissed Noah off. Whatever happened, it right. pissed Noah off, and he you know he didn't get to get on the boat next time. I you know, and I like that concept too that he was doing something in there that. Pam was allowed to see. So one of the two, one of the two things happened, in my opinion. I don't think it was just he either banged Noah in. or he got to see a magic trick. It was one of those two things. <laughs> it, it, had to be creepy. it had to be something pretty next level, right? It, it, in my opinion, it did. I'm kind of with you for him to get ostracized like that. So uh yeah, well, well talking about opinion. biblical uh being ostracized biblically. You heard, have you read the book of Judas before? I have. It's been a long time, but I so actually what, used to so, own it. So the general premise is that Judas wasn't the traitor and that he knew that he had that role to play and that he was going to be the most hated man ever yep. because of this role, but that he had to do it because if he didn't do it, then Jesus doesn't die and therefore doesn't die for the, so it's like he had to play that role. 
um, which is which is fairly heretical still, right? It's not like Book of Judas made yeah. it through the Ni- Council of Nicaea. Like it, it is definitely. Well, Jesus apocryphal. had a talk with him about it in the book. Like there's a, t- a time where he and Jesus have the conversation, um, if I'm correct, where Jesus tells him that that he has to do this for him to be able to die. And again, it's it is pretty heretical. Um, it's not in the canon, but you know a lot of people dispute the canon too. So there's you know there's a lot there's a lot of things that go on with biblical uh, with 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 the Bible itself. Now, I what I try to do, um, I do have you know uh, two super you can see them back here two super thick Hebrew dictionaries that I translate a lot of uh verses from and um in the new testament though the koine greek is is your is your first writings of the new testament so i try to go and look at things in greek and in uh hebrew because you tend to find a little bit deeper meanings in a lot of these verses and you kind of find you know because the hebrews hebrew a lot of the translations could be uh, so different when they come to English, even in the many different English translations that spawn off. So there's certain words uh, that get taken away. Um, you know, there's there's a verse uh, in the Bible where it talks about that the that birds flew um, from the from the earth, and this is before Adam, but flew from the earth. Well, one, there's creatures here, so there had to be something before Adam, which I, I do. I've done some extensive stuff on like pre-Adamite man and going into old earth and billions of years and all that, which I, I kind of adhere to. But when you look at this verse, uh, it says that these birds flew up, but when you translate into the Hebrew, it wasn't birds, it was flying creatures. So we don't know what these creatures really were, but because the guys that were translating it didn't know what the word was, they just like, well, it had to be birds. So they wrote down birds. So you see a lot of those type of things, especially when you're translating from Hebrew. So that's why I do like to go to um, the Hebrew text because I think they're uh, they are way more mystical when you go to the Hebrew than when you're just sticking to like the KJV or whatever else that you're reading. Um, in my opinion, yeah, what, what do you think about K- KJV? The guy that also believed in werewolves and and demonology. I mean, why wouldn't he though? I mean, I believe in those things. <laughs> so, I mean, does that does I, that give it more credit? Does does that I mean the KJV? So. Yeah. I think so. I mean, here's the thing I think about the KJV. Um, and again, this is just belief systems, and I know I know everybody's got their own belief systems. I, I've been I've run the gambit on belief systems throughout my life, and I've kind of oh, come yeah? around. Were you a Satanist at one point? Pretty close. Yeah, I'd say I was definitely uh, working my way there that direction for sure. Was, did that I mean, coincide with your stint in Freemasonry? Absolutely. Really? Yeah. Was was yeah. that like in the open? Were there other satanic masons that you knew? Not like that, man. It no. In my in, in my lodge, and I'll say this: all the guys that were great. You know, they looked out for me. You, you it, have it, to say that. Just FYI, you know, every mason <laughs> always has to say that, so it doesn't mean anything. Um. It's an so, oath, bro. You don't want to get you want to get yeah. William Morgan or whatever his name was. <laughs> but uh, you know, those guys are great. And and we I think in okay, so when I went in, I went in for a certain purpose. The path was there, I could have gone on that path, um, for sure. You know, mine was built on a few things. Money power, because I wanted I wanted to become a high-level musician. And in my opinion, like 
there had to be some sort of selling the soul or some sort of something that I needed to connect to to get to that level of fame and power because that's all you see those guys doing, right? And especially how far would young. you have gone if, if someone was like, "Yo, stab, go stab that random person right now," and and you'll be a you know you'll be in top forty next week. I don't want to say on air, but yeah, I, okay. I, so that does a yes, yeah. <laughs> I I I was in a I was in a pretty dark place and. You know, and, and I've, you know, I, I did this. This was the first thing that I ever talked about with Tony Merkel, like on air. And then when it went on his members only, I got a lot deeper about some of this stuff. But, you know, I was definitely contacting entities and going through the whole whole thing. This is a family show, by the way. We, we air at 7 a.m. in elementary school. So you be careful. <laughs> so, you know, that was my goal. Like I wanted to become Freemason to... Uh, and I had the path in disguise, right? You All that sneaky stuff. little bastard. So when they come and did the little investigation, and they were like, "Whoa, what? What makes you interested in being a Freemason?" You were like, "Yo, I just want to, I just want to like kill people and do blood sacrifices <laughs> and get famous." And they were like, "Step in, get in line, step in." Yeah, no, nothing like that. I was very uh, cordial. <laughs> I was trying <laughs> to get in. Uh, matter of fact, uh, my whole path in was a little different uh, than some people's path, especially in the South. Because that was a uh, a Prince Hall affiliated Freemason, so I was actually the first white guy there. The lodge had been around for over 100 years. I was the first white guy to ever walk through those doors and become a Freemason. Did you have to pass so. any special like? It was uh, it was rough. <laughs> I, I will. It did was you have to, like the, freestyle or anything because it's Prince Hall. <laughs> it, yeah, it. I'll say this: the reason why I went, like my buddy, my best friend at the time was black, and we got shunned out of the white lodge um, because of that. Even though they invited us in, the uh, they basically had a conversation with us after because they, they did that whole like breaking bread thing, you know, uh, right before, like an hour before they actually have a uh, lodge meeting. So they did like a, you know, little dinner or whatever. And they invited us there. But then afterwards, they a couple of them kind of pulled us to the side, said, look, it was up to us. We have a problem with it, but the old school guys are still here and they're not feeling it. And some of these guys are like 75 old white guys. Like they're not feeling that at all. So we left. And now, now, just to be clear, not feeling you and your friend mostly because your friend was black or black. Was there, yeah, they would have let you just me. Ha, did you have to? OK, if, if you went solo, they would have been like, yo, step right in, white bread. Absolutely. Yeah, I think honestly, the uh, they reached out to me after that. So it wasn't oh, that man. I was totally shunned from this like, whole thing. Hey, come back. Don't bring your friend. Yeah, it, they didn't have that. It was more like, you know, hey, we just wanted to say if it wasn't for. Damn. You know, in a roundabout way, which Damn. I was very open and honest with him too, because I, I think it was over text and I showed him and I was like, yeah, I'm for sure not doing this. Um, so I ended up uh, running, like, it was probably seven months later. It was a mission of mine. I was like, I'm going to become a Freemason. Like, it was like a mission. Like, I had were you gonna, to. Were you, now, were you going to like infiltrate at that point or like at any point where you're like, I'm seeking further, you know, light and knowledge? And Absolutely. or was it just like, yo, I'm going to get, I'm going to get rich? <laughs> It was well. Let's let me preface it though. The knowledge was more important to me than anything. So, like for me, it was like, can let me get to these upper levels of understanding. Let me get past that where they say the caps at. I know there's a place where they say the. Oh, cap so you is. got to level seventy four too? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, oh, my bad. My bad. My bad. I'll, I'll edit that out. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. Timestamp. <laughs> So the, the, the 33 is the, definitely the highest level. There's, 33 there's, is the highest. Man. Yeah, it's not, it definitely stops. Yeah. That's it. So I was at the time I was waiting tables and this group of people came in 
it's like a bachelorette party or something, man. It was this is an odd story to me to get to be a Freemason, but it's a bachelorette party. I was waiting. They were super nice. They're joking around with me the whole time. Uh, they're all black females, and this guy walks in, and pretty big dude, uh, you know, definitely African American, came walking in. He's got this like big wooden, like crafted, you know, square and compass like around his neck, and it's like a big like. It's not like a chain. Is this at a strip club or a bar or where is it? No, this is, yeah. So it was at a, uh, it was like a sports bar that I worked at. So you're working there. Yeah, I'm working there. Yeah. So he comes in, he's got this chain on. So he sits down, he's really nice. And he's like, yeah, I got the whole tab. So he's like, he pays for the whole thing for all. I think he was dating one of the girls there, but you know, it was there, it was all their thing. So he takes care of it. And then, uh, they get up to leave. He's the last one. So I, I kind of like tapped him on the shoulder and I, said what I needed to say to him so he would get his attention. And he kind of cocked his head and he said, uh, okay. He's like, uh, let me give you my number. He's like, call me at this time on this day. It was a week from then. It was like a specific time I needed to call like 3. him. 3.33 p.m. <laughs> it was actually, I think it was like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. But yeah, whatever. You can, yeah. Well, I know what time it really was. <laughs> so I call him and he picks right up and we talk, he asked me why I want to be. So I told him, I was like, listen, you know, these are you know, I'm very interested and, in, you know, I don't know. I gave him the company line. It wasn't with the real reason of like what I, what my plans were like secretively, like where I wanted to go with it. And you don't know who's involved or who's what, because I think people get really, uh, people on the outside don't really know how it goes on in there either. They think it's like, it's just like everybody's in there running around like a cabal, like doing all this crazy stuff. And it's like, no, like the majority of the guys there are just like in a lodge. Like it's just a fraternity. <laughs> like they don't really know about some of these other things, but you will run into some of the guys there that are 33 or 33, 32s. And they just got a different air about them. I know a couple of guys that were 33s and they were kind of like, Hey, you know, we can get you to 33. Cause you have to be, a sponsor to be a 33rd, like you have to get sponsored for that. And they're like, don't worry about it. Just get 32 and then we'll sponsor you to DC to get it done or whatever. So I knew there were some older guys there that could help, but I called a guy and we have a conversation. I tell him about the situation at the white lodge, him being a black man. He kind of looked at that as a pretty big deal. So he obviously, you know, goes to the lodge with the information. He tells me to call him again a week later, same time, same day. Call him again. We have a conversation. Uh, so then he's like, hey, you and your buddy can go meet the Worshipful Master at his house. So we had to go meet him. This is before we even got to the lodge and had any kind of meeting with the rest of them. We had to go meet yeah, him. Yeah, well, you got to do the shipping container fight, too, to the death before you get to the lodge part. Fight club, man. You got to do that part, yeah. too. So I you know, I meet with him. He he tells us, you know, yeah, expectations and all that. And they got to do that background check. You know, they got police officers in there. So they're going to do a background check on you and all that stuff. And then we uh, go in and it's us and two other guys that are trying to get in. And, you know, they, I'll say this about this lodge. So it was one of the toughest lodges to get into in middle Georgia. They put you through a lot. They didn't want you to make it. So they did everything they could to make you not make it. Um, so they did a lot. There was a lot of like strenuous physical stuff. There was a lot of like just craziness, honestly. It's, it, it's like if you were to think about those crazy fraternities that you try to get in in college, like where they would do everything to make you, not yeah, yeah, or like, like the, like those old school, um, Masonic catalogs where it's just like, 
this like was physical that. torture devices and like <laughs> like pin the this, tail on the donkey and this yeah. was next level like this was that so like all <laughs> like i won't even go into anything on air at all but it yeah, was, I don't want it you was get rough. Us killed man yeah man i mean it was rough and uh but you also you got through it man you had a lot of respect from a lot of the other lodges that they heard you were in that lodge that's crazy you know what i mean like whatever so and i was a white guy going through this like lodge with no white guys ever gone through it was kind of a big deal uh yeah at least you know for me it was you know and, and these guys respected me because you know i went in and you know i learned everything really quickly like i had a really quick mind and i learned a lot of stuff pretty quick but through and through that whole thing i was the only one that made it so even like my best mm. friend didn't make it so that definitely caused some you know some stuff down the road with he and I, and you know, it's, it's just part of life, but that's kind of what happened. I ended up making it, but I will say there were some things that happened in my personal life, with my kids and, and just with me losing my job and just, I was at a very low, low point in my life and I had to make a decision. Like, am I going to keep going down this path, lose my kids, lose everything? Cause that's the plan, right? You lose all that to gain all this all these treasures on earth and all these things. And I, and I think I came to those crossroads where it was like, what decision am I going to make? And I think a lot of the values and stuff and were instilled in me from my family and all that, who I respect a lot. I think those kicked in at some point where I was like, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I feel like I'm going down. I knew, man, I was talking to entities and just pure craziness. So like, for me, it's like, you know, I can keep doing this. I will probably achieve what I want, at least on the knowledge end or, or get to some level of fame or whatever. Maybe it's not music. Who knows what this path is taking me to? It's going to take me to the end game of fame or whatever it is. I don't know exactly what it is, but I'm going to have to sell a lot. I think when people hear selling your soul, they think it's like they're in a blood contract or whatever, which I think those exist probably. But I think some of it's really just selling yourself away. Like you're basically. I mean, I think it's easy, bro. If I could just like give a little blood and sign a contract right. and then like coast for life instead of what working for 50 years. Right. Uh, right. And like putting all my passion aside. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And, and and again, I understand why people do it. And I, and I think for me, uh, I just didn't, man. And I ended up going down a different path and over the years, and I'm not saying I just like changed right away, but it was over a period of years where I got to a point where I started just caring more about other people than just myself. And I think that was more important to me. And that's why I do what I do now is I'm hoping to connect with people, uh, you know, sometimes on a visceral level about what's going on in the world, you know, to wake people up to the truth that's out there and also let them know that it's not like, we're all going to die. It's not all doom and gloom. Let's enjoy life some. You know what I mean? Like we don't have to live in misery either. I, I think that's that that weird juxtaposition that we find ourselves in this whatever truth or space or conspiracy space or whatever. Um, you know, there should be a point to where, you know, we actually enjoy life and enjoy others. And, you know, some of this I just look at as a lot of fun, man. I love research. So like a lot of this is fun for me. It doesn't necessarily like... I, you know, people get really angry sometimes when we put out stuff online or whatever, but I'm not like adhering to it being like the truth. I'm just saying this is a, this is a theory that's out there. This is crazy though. So, but people aren't very, you know, they, they don't use their cognitive minds like that to be able to see like, oh, well, this guy's just putting out something that's a possibility. It's not necessarily true. And I think that once we open our mind up to all these different possibilities, 
um, then we can start kind of getting to the truth because then we can see how, oh man, this is kind of tying in this over here. This is tying in this over here. So do you, uh, are you still in good standing with your lodge? Like, do you pay your annual dues and everything? No. So I'm, I stepped away like years ago. So I'm, yeah. Are you willing to, to, to violate your oath right now on air? Let's do it, man. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but I'm, but I'm curious if there's anything unique about prince hall that you found interesting like obviously not with like the ritual in particular but for example my experience with freemasonry in the south is it's probably the one that didn't let you guys in right so it was like lots of old white dudes lots of mashed potato dinners and like you know presentations on health stuff and reading about who needed you know help with whatever it it was definitely not like there wasn't a b-ball game. There wasn't like nothing. Like we, we definitely weren't going to sports bars. In fact, I was kind of told that if you want to, if you want to be a drinking mason, that's when you join the Shriners or you join the Jesters or or whatever. And that's where you go down like the 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 crazy part, right? Like the Animal House version yeah. of Masons. But is there anything like like really Way different? Cool yeah, mine was about? more like Animal House. So like it's definitely like we used to have. Uh, we used to watch like you know uh, boxing fights in the lodge and you know drink what what drink now, what in was, the lodge <clears throat> oh yeah so wow bro, that's mind blowing yeah so it's just a different atmosphere um yep. now obviously not on you know lodge days or or meeting days or anything right. like that but like if it was on the weekend because we used to open the lodge for people like so the way our yeah, lodge well, you get was, drunk on the baby blood anyway so you don't need alcohol at that point. <laughs> so what we used to do the lodge was in a it was actually in what you would consider the projects like it was kind of like in the middle of it so there was a park across the street from it but the reason why it was located in that area was because we used to do a lot for the community. So we used to do a lot for kids, you know, before they went to school. We have all these book bags and school supplies because a lot of these kids didn't have, you know, fathers. Did you chip kids? Like did you chip kids? Remember the, the <laughs> did you did you have any of those programs in by your lodge, the the Masonic <laughs> chip program? You know what I'm talking <laughs> about, right? Yeah. That's no. No. If they were doing it, they weren't doing it in front of me. So they're probably like, he ain't ready for that. Um we used to, you know, Thanksgiving turkeys, like all the stuff, give away tons of stuff for free throughout the whole year. It, it was a lot of that going on. Um, we used to have these big, you know, park uh, picnics and just cookouts and everything else, man. So, yeah, it was probably vastly different than what you went through. Now, I will say this. Uh, my buddy back home, he's in a mainstream lodge. And Georgia's kind of changed now because now they're starting to merge the lodges. So mm -hmm. he said that they're doing uh, more stuff with the Prince Offrey Masons now. Um, he said it was crazy. They had some mainstream guys in and he's like, man, I walk in and there was like Asian dudes and black dudes and all kind of stuff in the lodge. And he's like, with all these old white dudes, he said, it's funny because these old white dudes who kind of used to be like, or it's like record scratch, be, right? Like, <laughs> well, it's funny. They're not like that. He said, it's different. It's almost like they feel like he said, it's like, it's some sort of, uh, he's like, all these old white dudes are trying to take pictures with these guys and all smiling. Like it's some big deal. Like, Oh my God, it's like a, it's a black guy in here. Like it's, it's well, in, in Florida too. I mean, the last time I looked into it, if you were in a main, if you were in a regular, you know, Phoenix of Lodge Masons, you could visit Prince Hall lodges. But if you were in Prince Hall, you'd have to get permission from Grand Lodge to go and visit a non Prince Hall lodge. So there's still like this weird after yeah. effects of segregation within, yeah. you know, Freemasonry, which is like an echo of segregation that was in society at large for a while. It's it's a weird archaic thing. So I, 
on the tail end of that, because I want to get into our next segment, but I really want to ask you this. Do you think that Freemasonry has a valuable or productive role in society today? Or do you think it's like a bad thing overall? Here's what I think. I think there's a lot of good people that are Freemasons. And do you I think, think that ultimately there's like a bad guy at top that's like moving all the chess pieces? Yeah, I well, I do. I, I I think that Freemasonry itself was started out of something that was never meant to happen. So it's a you know that's my opinion, and you know I could tell it into the Brotherhood of the Snake and how a lot of that their tenets came from that. Um, but again, I I just everybody that's a Mason is not bad. Like I can tell you that verbatim. I know a lot of good ones and they weren't doing all the crazy stuff that people think Freemasons are doing. And I know me saying that, they're like, he's a psyop. He's, he's a psyop. But it's, it's, I've just met too many good people that, and they never thought, they went to church every week. They didn't think like that. They, they weren't even on that mind frame to them. This was a, this was a fraternity that helped the community. And that's how they thought. Now, is there a small percentage of guys that are in there in certain positions that have other agendas or, or a part of something else? Absolutely. So I, I, it's just for sure. Well, maybe controversially, I mean, I've, to like the ultimate Freemasonic purist, you know, nerd or whatever, but I actually deep down kind of think that all the charity and community work that Freemasonry does now has kind of diluted the real aim of Freemasonry. It, it was never about like raising money for kids with speech impediments and right. You know, all, it was never about none of that. That happened because of the anti-Masonic party. And like, it was this like PR move of like, wait, we're helping the community too. But yeah, I mean, personally, I think if anything, that might've diluted the whole, like seeking arcane knowledge and trying to break down these archaic texts and, you know, understand magic and, and like in society and now it's like, hey, go there if you want to watch boxing or if you want to like have some beers or if you want to just, you know, get that comp controller position. Maybe you got to right. start rubbing elbows with the right people at like lodge mm -hmm. meetings and stuff. Uh, but I mean, I don't know. Personally, I, I think that all that is not what Freemasonry was ever about. So maybe Never. I would, would have been one of those nerds that had been like, yo, let's just do black magic ceremonies in the back after they all leave. <laughs> black aprons only, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, no, for sure. Yeah. And, and again, there were guys that I ran into that are generally older that I, you, know, you just knew. It's a certain look, certain certain way they would like handshake, you know, give you a handshake and not those type of handshakes, but just a certain way they would look at you and, and talk to you. It's like they could tell. They, they can always tell if somebody's in there for something else. It's not just the camaraderie. If you're in there for something else. And I, I actually, when I went through it, um, I verbatim like knew everything like it like by heart so when i was going through um all the different steps uh the initial to get through to three to master mason the steps i mean i was uh proficient i was one of the most proficient guys to go through there so they were they were pretty impressed with that part of it and that was i think some of those guys knew like he's not just he's in here for this so i yeah again you know, life happens. And I think, you know, there was a divine intervention there. And I, I know people have their own idea of what that is. But for me, that's what that was. And I think it drove me away from that path because I found out that, man, I don't have to do that to get knowledge um, anyway. So I feel like that I can get access to knowledge regardless. Um, and I'm having a blast doing it still. So, yeah. 
that's that's my Freemason story, and somehow I got interjected in, into the Nephilim portal. That's babies, wild, but. dude. Well, I, and I just, I mean, you don't have to tell me, but when you got to the third degree, how many times did you have to lick the uh, the goat embryo until <laughs> the, the thing happened? Did you get it on the on? Did you get it on the third lick, or did it take you longer? Well, it was like the tenth, and then I like, damn, I, dude, that's yeah. yeah. I, tra- I in, transcended at that point. In our, in our lodge, if if it takes you more than nine licks for the embryo, it it's almost like an immediate black ball. But whatever, yeah. I, I guess lower standards, lower standards in <laughs> Prince Hall. That's why you were able to to impress them so easily. And so, so you have you've had already admitted, dude. I was this was gonna be like a complete you know hit episode. I was gonna shock you and be like, yo, I got this research. I knew you were a Satanist. I know you were a Freemason. Are you a cop, Joel Thomas? are you a cop you got it because if you are a cop you have to tell me it's it's basically a law bro oh he took damn dude he took the glasses off what kind of nlp shit's going on like i can't see what direction he's looking if anyone was watching if you baseline where he was looking every time i asked him a question he told the truth now watch where his eyes go okay joel thomas are you a police officer no i'm not my sister is actually Damn, got that nervous laugh, bro. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. So, I look uh, like that, no man with the. Uh, with the <laughs> you do, you I do, mean, man. You look like a man in black. <laughs> I've been called CIA a lot in the past year, man. Like some three letter, man. I get it all. I actually graduated earlier this year to Illuminati. I finally got that on the card. I was like, man, I'm I'm really like I'm moving up. That's the just a start, chain. though, man. Because now you got like all of the Illuminati platinum and bronze and like diamond and emerald. It right. gets annoying, dude. <laughs> so okay, so so I'm gonna have a whole bunch of more questions for you. The way that this works is I'm it's gonna be kind of rapid fire. So if you want to expand on something, just give it a, a score that'll make us expand on it later. But we'll do like 10, 15 questions or something. Okay. I just want to get from you a zero if you think it's bullshit, and a okay. ten if you're all in. If uh, a ten is like not only is this true, but I will convince you it's true after this. Like you know, let me buy you a okay. beer kind of thing. If you're on the fence or if you don't care or if you can be swayed, it's kind of a five. So, you know, this is a temperature check. Okay. Right. Yeah. So, and I, and I got a new, I was literally rendering this intro out. I'll probably improve it the next time that I play it, but here we go. Hey, conspiracy buffs. I double dare you to take some PCP, the paranormal conspiracy probe on your marks, get set and go. Thank you, Mark Summers. Okay. There is infinite land beyond an Arctic wall. Zero to 10. Three. Three, okay. Someone within the last century has successfully summoned a literal demon. Ten. Damn, a ten. Okay. Medieval alchemists successfully created the element gold. Eight. Hollywood striking is important. Zero. Crystals can hold magical or spiritual energy. Five. Osama bin Laden was interred at sea in May in 2011. Six. Reptilian humanoid entities are a genuine species. Ten. The Freemasons exert significant control over current global events. Seven. Lee Harvey Oswald was the individual responsible for JFK's assassination. Zero. Beings that match the traditional description of mermaids exist or have existed in the past. Seven. 
the earth is flat. <sighs> Two. Dinosaurs are real. Oh man, that's a, that's a loaded question. Okay, let me let me rephrase it. The way that if you were to go into the Natural Museum of History and they're like, "Here's the dinosaur exhibit," how true is that on on zero to ten? One. The Titanic was deliberately sunk by J.P. Morgan as part of an insurance scam. Seven. There's celebrity clones on TV right now. Seven. Damn, dude. Okay. And then there's the last one. Extraterrestrials helped construct the pyramids. Three. All right. So, I mean, we're all, we're all <laughs> over the board, bro. I can't, I can't really pin you down on any of this. So the first one was infinite land beyond the Arctic wall. So let me, let's break this down. Part. I think you gave it like a three or something, which means it might be possible, but you're pretty far away from it. Yeah. So where are you at on the Arctic ice wall? Do you think that, that the government is preventing people from passing this Arctic wall and that they're hiding something behind it? Here's what I think. Well, if you believe in Arctic wall, you got to be a flat earther, in my opinion. Now, I do think there's a concept that maybe there's an Arctic wall on the globe system and there's more land on the globe system. And then we're just trapped in like a little ring on the globe. There's a possibility. I Here's what I think. There's a lot. If we're going to talk about the soft disclosure, there are a lot of films and a lot of media that's out there with ice walls. And we can look at Game of Thrones. I mean, there's a lot of different ones that keep pushing this narrative. I don't know if they're doing that just to like mess with us, just to, you know, it's not true. I put, okay, this is what I'm going to say. There's some shit going on down in Antarctica. That's a fact. Like, there's just no, there is. There's, I think there's extraterrestrial activity whatever that means, fallen angels, aliens, whatever you want to say is going on down there. There's stuff going on down there. There's no reason for us to keep sending high-level politicians and, and, and from all over the world down there consistently all the time. It just doesn't make any sense. I mean, Operation High Jump, I mean, that's, we don't know how true it was or what actually happened during Operation High Jump? I mean, we we've heard some of the stories about the ships that came up and cut, you know, the the brigade down like butter knives. And I don't know. I've got a friend of mine. He does the documentaries uh, with me. His name's Christian. And this is a funny story. It's actually a true story. His grandfather was on Operation High Jump, and his grandfather was a high level um, uh, hypnotist. And he used to hypnotize men on the ship as pranks and jokes. So some of the line of thought from him was... How does dick get in my mouth? <laughs> right. Or what if he was hypnotizing people to think something happened there when nothing actually happened? So there's another thought or process there too. That's or just vice versa, yeah. Exactly. So we don't know what happened there. I will say this. There's definitely... There's people and entities meeting in Antarctica, whether you think it's like an ice wall and there's stuff bot, bot, you know, further. I don't know, man. I, I'm not a bit, I'm not big on the flat earth concept. I'm not going to throw it completely out, but I think it's got a lot of holes in it. Um, just like, I think, you know, just like they could shoot holes in the globe system. You could do the same thing with great research, just right back at it too. I think a lot of people 
And I'm actually doing some really deep dives right now on the globe system and the combatants to flat earth. Cause I don't think enough people do that. I think what happens is you got people who are like, it's a globe because I've been taught it's a globe. And then you got a guy who's done like five to 10 years of research on flat earth. And he comes up to somebody and starts hitting them with stuff and they don't know how to answer to it. So all they can do is say, you're crazy and you're this, but not having legitimate arguments back. And one of the things I'm working on some thesis is myself to where I'm going to be able to break this down, not only from just a scientific level, but also an occultic level too, and biblically, because they always, they always point to the Bible when in actually in Hebrew, a lot of those things didn't mean what they said that it did. And a lot of those verses, they take her out of context when it's talking about flat earth. It doesn't even mean that either. Mm, but the Freemason knows what it says. Cool. Cool. <laughs> and that's what they always say to me, Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> well, so does that does that ever pose problems for you in this in this like conspiracy world? Does someone ever like it doesn't because I don't let it bother me and I've been mm -hmm. very upfront and open about it, like out the gate. So for me, it's like if I was trying to hide it, then that would be one thing. I'm not, I'm very open. Has with it closed it. any doors for you? Not that I know of now. It could Did it have open any doors for you. <laughs> not that I know of. No, Did you just knock like, three times. You know, no? it's funny because Tony has been hit up many times by uh, people in emails and stuff, especially that first year when we were like, they're telling like, go watch your back, bro. This, yeah. this oh, dude. yeah, big yeah. time. Oh, he gets it all the time. Uh, we just did a. I, I was just on the confessionals a couple months ago. I did a whole uh, like two and a half hour presentation on old earth. And like some of the comments, man, are just priceless. Like we are, you can listen to the Freemason. Of course, he's going to deceive us. He's leading us down the path of like, yeah, I hear you, man. Like, look, all I can do is be honest and upfront. And if people believe me, cool. If they don't, then I get it. Like, it's is there a way that you could actually prove that you are not a Nephilim portal baby? I, I don't know if I could. I mean, because there's really no litmus test for that, is there? There isn't. And sadly, a lot of Nephilim genes, uh, they were redheaded. So they were genders. Damn, yeah, dude. So, so yeah, I don't know. I, I think we brought, I don't know if I brought this up to you, but have you ever heard that they used to forge swords in the urine of redheads? I, I thought I brought that up to you. Maybe not. No, I don't know if I've heard that one. You should That's look into that one. It, it's okay, legit. I just, I have no idea what the rest of the context oh is, God, but they I thought that gingers had like magical peace. So they would forge your sword before you went into battle. If you were like, yo, this is a, a ginger piss sword. I guess people would like get out of the way, right? Like, oh, here's another one think, for you. I think if you get killed by a ginger piss sword that it like takes your soul or something. I don't know the magic rules. Well, a little known fact too, and I'm sure you know, but like uh, the Irish were slaves um, to the UK and they actually sold um, the Irish into slavery during the same time that black people were being sold into slavery over here. So there were a lot of white slaves, a lot of white slaves over here at the same time there were black slaves. So it's a little known fact that people don't want to talk about because it doesn't fit the narrative of the black versus white thing, but they actually took... Uh, Irish ginger uh, women and made them have sex with the black men to create mulattoes is what they called them because they would sell for more than the than just the pure white guys because they were like they're not going to do as much for us as these are so it's we actually the Irish were actually shitted on the worst um, out of the whole situation now, I don't know if that has to do with the fact that you know maybe in some part where they're like hey they got these like magical genes got to hold them down um, I don't know man it's very similar to like you know black people say they're the king and they were suppressed because they were. Um, I guess you could throw the same argument out on that level too, man. 
But have you ever heard anything about Nation of Gods and Earths and Five Percenters and like Jacob, the big headed scientist that that created White Giants Underground? I have not heard about that. Now I've heard about White Giants Underground, but I haven't heard that story. Yeah, look into it, man. I'll, I'll give you some links after this. Send too. me that. I'm all about White Giants Underground. So, so, <laughs> so you also, you, I think you gave this a 10. I said that someone has successfully summoned a literal demon in the last century and you were like 10. So I mean, yeah. so I want to, so I want to ask you a couple, like one, like what is like when when I say a literal demon got summoned, what are you seeing in mind? Is it just like a dude that like works him up self into a frenzy and starts acting like a dick to everybody, or like is he seeing you know like Ghostbusters style Slimer comes up, something manifested for sure, definitely. Okay. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I can say that just on my level, you know, I've manifested like entities where I've seen them physically like in front of me. So I you think they're all bad. Like there would all be evil. Do you think there's any good versions? I don't think there's any good versions of demons, but what about like Solomon, right? Solomon had command over, um, like the 72 demons or, or whatever it was because he knew how to control them through these sigils and put them to work. And I think the justification was that Jesus was able to command demons. So therefore it's, like I guess, like legal. There's like a loophole where you're allowed to command demons because Jesus did it. Uh, but I mean, was like, what's your take on Solomon? Was Solomon a good guy? Was he like an evil magician? Uh, I think Solomon like initially was good. If you're going just strictly biblically, I mean, when he mm -hmm. started taking in all these concubines and wives and everything, he started taking on their gods too, and that's when he got shunned by Yahweh. <clears throat> after that. So he there's biblical text where he was pretty much on the outs towards the back end of his like career. Um, but I do think that's where a lot of the Freemason lore and all that stuff comes into play too, because listen, I think especially extra biblical text, you know, with some of those things you were just talking about. Um, yeah, I think they exist. I think he was. I don't think it was for any good means. I think Here's another thing, too. Let's put this in the concept. I think sometimes people can do things they think are good, too, but are being manipulated as well. So I think there's that concept. So maybe he thought he was. You think Solomon got conned? Are you saying you're smarter than Solomon? I think Solomon's a smart dude, but I think anybody can be uh, twisted, especially when it comes to, like, power and, you know. He was definitely powerful, right? Very. And I think you you see it throughout time. I mean, like even King David, man, like he he crumbled down too, man. He's looking at Bathsheba, like getting naked over there at the middle of the night. He's like, hey, bring her up here. He sends her her uh, husband out in the front lines to get him killed so he can have her. And he's supposed to be like one of the most godly men. So like, yeah, everybody, everybody's like, we're human. Like we we do stupid, messed up stuff, man. It's just what we do. Like we're not we're not perfect. And you know, Solomon, you know. He's one of those two. I, I think anybody can fall into the trappings of, you know, what happens with power and fame. And when, it, when it comes to summoning demons, I'm curious, if, like, if let's say that you're an atheist, right? You, mm -hmm. you're, you're fresh out of high school. I graduated yesterday. I'm an atheist. I'm going to head into the world and I go in and I'm surfing on Amazon and there's like summon a demon 101, demonology <laughs> for idiots. And I order like the top six of those books, right? Like how to right. summon Lucifer, whatever. Like, do you think a, just a regular person that doesn't actually believe in any of it could sit down, read the rituals, do the rituals to the T, go and get the newt's eyes and the freaking, you know, do do all of the things and summon a demon? Or do you think that you also have to have some kind of like supernatural connection? Like, do you have to have, you know, like the force in you already? 
you know, and I've heard that too, where people have certain connections just naturally. Um, you know, uh, we've had Gary Wayne on the show before and he's just like a Nephilim, just expert. And he talks about the ISIS gene, um, the fairy gene that's passed down through generations of, you know, people that have some sort of connection with Nephilim somewhere. And they may have like, they may have, if they open up certain doorways, they have a little bit more access um, to being able to connect to some of these entities. I don't know. I think if you're looking and seeking for it, you'll find it. I think it's inevitable. I think you will. Um, but if you're, you know, just a hardcore uh, proponent against it, um, maybe you won't because you're not open to being able to connect to it. But I've known people that were very atheist and dabbled in. I'd see them two years later, man. They're all in. So I don't. I don't know. I. I it's a. It's a weird. It's an odd question. I think it could go either way. Let's say that you were all the way in, right? And you've like highly trained and you go to your OTO practice or whatever the hell they do. Um, do you think that it would be possible for someone to like set up, you know, paranormal um, style cameras all over the place and summon a demon and capture the demon on camera? Or do you think that like they exist outside of natural physics and it just would never be able to be possible? I don't know. It, here's here's the one thing too. I think people have probably caught things on camera, like cryptids and all kind of stuff. But you know, could have gotten confiscated by three letters as well. So it's like you, you may have had it, but maybe it got confiscated. So I don't know. I know some people think they have some stuff on camera. I've seen some weird stuff that people have caught on camera too, where it's like I don't have an answer for that. You know, maybe it was CGI, but you, did they have access to that kind of technology? That that lone person like i don't know unless somebody gave well, you, you said that you had some personal experience with yeah. seeing like you know an entity do you think that if you were to like whip out your camera and you're like yo hold on a second you know selfie them like would that work <laughs> i don't would know it, like, man. jump I, out of the room like what would happen i i i, I doubt it in my opinion and then again it goes to what you said too maybe it's on a plane of existence like maybe i could see it but maybe it's not in a realm that i could take a picture of it of I don't know. I you'd, honestly, man, I don't know if I ever thought about doing that. <laughs> that was going on. I think no. I guess because in the back of my mind, I mean, American at heart, I mm -hmm. feel like the the capitalist society we live in, right? If, a, if like ghosts or demons or whatever, I'm not going to say real, but if you could consistently summon them, like if there were actual rules of mm -hmm. do this formula and you know right. cut off the chicken's head and the thing shows up, right? Then someone would have made like a TikTok account doing that all day. And then yeah. selling, you know, stickers or something for it. And the fact that that hasn't happened yet to me is maybe one of the biggest things that leaves a lot of skepticism in my eyes. Same thing with Bigfoot. I uh, and and I want to talk about Bigfoot before we we, we start yeah. wrapping up here because you've got like multiple documentaries. Merkel Media kind of put Bigfoot on the map more for me, like you know, reinvigorated it since Harry and yeah. the Hendersons and stuff, right? So does Bigfoot? play by these same rules you think do, do you think he could like shift out of the dimension that we're in and make himself impervious to cameras does he know that you've got a camera in your pocket ahead of time because he's got some kind of technological you know telekinesis or like what what's the deal there same same question i guess right how come there's yeah. not a tiktok account with some dude that's like yo i found where bigfoot you know hangs out here he mm -hmm. is oh, what's up bro you know well, it depends on what you think Bigfoot is. I mean, I think people run into a lot of things they may think is actually Bigfoot and it's not too. So it could be entities that are playing tricks. Um, if it's actual Bigfoot, I think we can start talking like 
you know, quantum physics and being able to move in and out of dimensional shifts, cloaking. A lot of people talk about them being able to cloak um, and having some sort of cloaking, for lack of a better word, technology, but, you know, maybe something that biologically they're able to use to cloak. Um, I, I don't know. And now I will say this to what you said about the TikTok account and, and all that. <clears throat> I think most people, and I know myself would be included, especially back then when I was involved with that stuff. I think that we would look at it as a special thing. We wouldn't want anybody else to see. It's like people that want that arcane knowledge, but they don't want anybody else having it. I'm an elite because I have something that no one else has. So I think you find those people that are really seeking those powers and knowledges that would Will only want to keep it for themselves or at least a small group that they're in, whereas they wouldn't want to publicize it. So I think somebody that would want to publicize it, if they're doing it and you're playing with entities, I don't know if entities are going to be showing up for that because they're looking at it as like, oh, well, you're not even trying to do what we want you to do. So why would we want to help you, you know, in your money and, and build your bank account? Mm-hmm. So you got so you see like aliens that, and Bigfoot and Nephilim were just like avoiding PT Barnum back in the day. They're just like, yo, stay this guy's on the blacklist. <laughs> no one's allowed to fuck with PT Barnum. <laughs> I think PT Barnum probably watered up. I mean, you just don't know like behind the scenes what what was going on. Um, you know, and to the point of the uh you were talking about the Greys, the aliens, you know, just to wrap up real quick, because we jumped all over the place, but the Nephilim Portal Babies, what they actually are, in my opinion, we were talking about the fallen angels being able to find a loophole. I think that these greys are meat sacks that house the old spirits of the Nephilim, the demonic entities of the Nephilim that then take these women or men into another dimension. And whether it's by some sort of scientific method or having sex with them, they create these Nephilim in this other dimensional shift. And it's like the zip code rule, right? Like it's not cheating if it's another zip code. It's not cheating if it's not here. (laughs) So that is where the Nephilim portal babies come from. And I think they're cooking up a lot of Nephilim in these other dimensions. This one's free, bro. This one's on the house. Angel anchor babies. Angel anchor babies. That's on the house, bro. That's on the house. I like that. <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's the workaround, right? They found the it loophole. The like, it is. In. That's the workaround. But that was that was my concept, man. And it kind of took off. So uh, we had a lot of crazy stuff. I was on several podcasts leading up to the big one. And we had a lot of technology issues that were shutting down equipment that wasn't supposed to be shut down. And it got pretty crazy. So it led up to a big four and a half hour podcast that I did with Tony and several other podcasters. Uh, on his so i broke down the whole entire theory brother of the snake everything on that so if people want to go listen to that they can it's 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 good it's a good episode if you type about portal babies at all any of the episodes i did about portal babies <laughs> will pop up <laughs> you're gonna be the, the nephilim portal baby guy i like it though. yeah <laughs> so so you mentioned before when you guys go out and do some of like the bigfoot hunts and, and whatnot it's yeah. like you know are are you strapped and you're like brother you know hot anti-status of course I'm curious, are, is the firepower to protect from like other animals or are you legit prepared to shoot Bigfoot himself if something pops off? Or, or do you think that it's not like that? Like you wouldn't ever have to shoot Bigfoot or do you think there's a chance you would have to? I don't think so. Now, now something, okay, so not everybody's in agreement that goes on these trips about what's going to happen if they were to run into Bigfoot or Dogman or whatever mm-hmm. else. Because the first trip we went hunting down Dogman, which is... A whole nother beast. Uh, 
as far as, you know, what people have run into with it. That, there's nothing good coming out of those. Like Bigfoot, you hear a lot of good stories. You don't hear anything good coming out of Dog Man. So what we bring the artillery for is really mainly other animals because you don't know what you're going to run into in these national parks and all these, you know, crazy uh, deep woods adventures that we go on. You're going to run into everything. So if we run up on a bear or something, you know, obviously I've been around bear. Like if you don't mess with them, generally they're not going to mess with you. But if one's charging you or something, man, you better have something, man. You're not, you're not outrunning it. Like it's not going to happen. So uh, it's good to have that. Also, if by some odd chance you ran across a Bigfoot or something and it got aggressive, that would be the only reason I would shoot. I'm generally not in the camp of trying to be aggressive to them. I'll be honest with you. I don't care about getting them on camera. I would just be happy if I saw it. Like if I was to see it, I don't care if anybody believed me or not. Like that would be a moment for me. Like it's there, right there. Now, us being in Washington, we did have some crazy things happen there where we'll just say that there's definitely some weird stuff that we got on camera and a weird night where felt like we were surrounded by several. So it was pretty crazy, especially when you're deep out in the middle of the night in a national park by yourself. Uh, weird stuff happens. So what, what kind of caliber do you got to pack for, for Bigfoot and Dogman? Are we talking like Action Express? Are we talking like Creedmoor? What, what are you guys doing? It just depends. I mean, if so, I've got a... Uh, Does anyone bring nines and, and feel like, yeah, this nine will do it? Or is like... You're not well, it's depending on how many rounds you got in that nine, too. I mean, <laughs> it, you know, like if you got, you know, an fun sticks. We got 33 like fun sticks. Yeah, bro. Um, I generally, if I'm going off in the woods, woods, I'm going to take some sort of AR with me. Um, I've got an extended like 60 rounds that I'll throw in there um, and go off in the woods with that. I mean, it's, it, you know, it hits you from pretty far. Um, that's what I normally care because, you know, I've got a, I've got, you know, strap it over my shoulder. And is this, are we talking Tula ammo or, or is this some good like USA made ammo? Or, what, like what kind of ammo are you going to shoot? Some big green tips, man. I'm going to take those out of there. With <laughs> me. So yeah, that's going to, it's going to hit. Um, but I do, I do strap up now. I've got, uh, I do have a nine that I generally take with me because I've just always got that on me, like around, like, you know, concealed carry, whatever, like just in the car. Um, but I do have one of my favorite uh, handguns is a Ruger 5.7. And it's one of the few guns out there that mm -hmm. shoots uh, rifle bullets. And it's got, you know, 20 in it. So I can let off 20. How's off. the kick on that? I never shot one in person. Man, before. there is no kick at all. It's the smoothest okay. gun I've ever shot, ever. And I take it to the range and shoot too, man. It's super accurate. It's Do you have a low bore on it? No. It's, it's well, it's not super low, but it's... It's not like it, a rhino or anything. No, nothing like that. Yeah. It, it's like, the kick's like barely non-existent, man non-existent on it yeah i can let them right. off like 20 like with nothing and not even feel it <laughs> well you feel it in the wallet though <laughs> yeah feel it in the wallet i will say it was during that uh 2020 stretch and everybody was just like buying guns like crazy like 2020 early 2021 and i had like actually put it on reserve and it was man i couldn't get it for like seven months and it finally came in and i was like yeah I don't care how much it is. I'm getting it. So. I, I can co-sign that. I think that would be good enough to stop dog. I mean, if it's not good enough to stop Dogman or Bigfoot, there's not a lot else you're going to be doing out there. Yeah, it's yeah, and that's the thing. Now, I will say that Ward, who's the camera guy that goes on the trips, he's highly trained. Um, he's you know he's fought 
jujitsu and every kind of martial arts for almost 10 years. So he's great at hand to hand. Um, and he's like super adept with any kind of gun possible. He's been hunting since he was like two years old. <laughs> so he, he's got it all. So he's very adept. Um, so he and I generally, if we're in the woods, woods, we're generally with some sort of, um, AR situation. Um, and some, and all the other guys have something as well. Uh, now on the dog man trip, I took a, uh, a shotgun with me that time. Um, cause it was, I think it was one of those things too. You're thinking about dog man, like, okay, well, is this like rifle round going to go just through him and not do anything? Maybe I want something like, even though he's got to get up closer on me, maybe I just take these couple of these big slugs. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I got a better chance of that. So <laughs> yeah, slugs are bird shots. It's hard to decide, right? Right. <laughs> and I'm, and I'm curious too, because a lot of people talk about, being prepared for the wildlife or prepared for, you know, Bigfoot and Dogman. Let's say that you go out there, you got footage, someone gets footage and you guys mm -hmm. are like, this is it. This is world breaking. Do you also have a contingency plan to like avoid the men on black on the way back home before you get, you know, pulled over and your gear confiscated and, you know, amnesia Im implemented or yeah, like what, we got like, a lot of stuff in play. Okay. Yeah. You don't, you don't got to tell me the exact game plan. Cause obviously, yeah, but yeah, but so we do. Oh, for absolutely. Yeah. That's for, <laughs> that's for sure. I mean, that's something we talked about before we even went on the first trip was if this happens, this is what we do. And if this happens, this is what we do. There's multiple avenues of what we need to do to get the footage out um, as soon as possible. So, and lawyers are involved in all that. You got to have people ready and, and willing. <laughs> Well, you, you heard it here, man. The the uh, Prince Hall Satanist Freemason Bigfoot hunter, Joel Thomas, is strapped. And if the <laughs> alphabet agencies try to stop him coming back with a Nephilim portal baby, he's going to he's gonna have some slugs and some birdshot for you. Yeah. Can't say it better myself. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Well, thank you for coming on, man. We got so many more uh, conversations ahead of us, I, I hope, because there's a million Absolutely. different topics we can get into. We bounced around on this one and uh, we'll get into some more. So one more shout out. Tell people where they can find you on all your music, all your podcasts, all your documentaries, everything. Yeah. So you can go to killthemockybirds.com. You can pretty much find everything there from the merchandise, we have a disinformation section now that I put a lot of stuff up pretty much every week. I'm putting up some sort of like government documents or things that we research for shows. I try to give people access to. They're not like your typical articles. They're more like, hey, this is a uh, government document that Donald Trump signed back when he was in office and you didn't know that he signed or, you know, specific things like that. We've got the Cass Sunstein um, uh, paper thesis that he wrote in 2008. Um, cognitive infiltration, which he set the basis for infiltrating conspiracy communities with fake conspiracies, which was kind of the precursor, I think, to QAnon, um, even though they won't admit it. But I think that was the precursor for that. But we have a lot of those documents that are up there for people to read and check out. So I, I encourage people to go do that. Uh, if you're looking for me music-wise, you can type Joel Thomas into any streaming platform everywhere youtube uh go to youtube.com slash van tesla music go to at van tesla music on uh instagram you can catch me there uh at kill the mike words podcast on instagram for the podcast itself and yeah man that's uh pretty much it if you're looking for the documentaries you can go to apple tv you can go to amazon prime Tubi, and just type in expedition dog man the new one that's coming out which you can see the poster 
right there. Uh, the Shape of Shadows, that'll be out in a few weeks. So, Word. I'll have links to everything that you just mentioned down in the description so people can check all that out. And, uh, and also, I'm going to exit out here with a, a little homunculus commercial. And then at the end of this episode, I'll, I'll put in the, uh, one of the music videos that we worked on together. So awesome. hang around after the homunculus ad to check out some cool AI-generated music with uh, Joel Thomas. So here we go, man. Were you ready? Did you, did you have enough PCP? <laughs> yeah. All right, we out. They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus, ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day, knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart? Available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today.